Today's scripture lesson is taken from Philippians 3, 12 to 21. Philippians 3, 12 to 21. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you do, think otherwise. God will reveal this also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brother, join me in imitating me, and keep me, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destruction, their end is their destruction, and their God is their belly, and their glo- the glory is in their shame, with, with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Thank you. Good morning, Edge City Church. How you guys doing? Doing good? Good morning. So glad you're able to be here today. Um, my name is Finn. For those of you who don't know me, I serve as a lead pastor at this uh, campus here, Edge City, Mineola. Um, I'm just going to, before I begin, I want to open up with a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, we just come before you right now, Lord. We just thank you, God, uh, for the ways that you have moved already during our time of worship. And so, Lord, I just pray for uh, these next few moments, God, that you will just um, be seen, God, be heard, Father, that my voice is not heard here today. But God, that you are seen and you are heard, God. Give us ears to hear, Lord, from your word. Father, we just submit our time together. We just can't express how grateful we are, Lord, that at one time we were blind, but now we see. Lord, who are we that you are so mindful of us? And Father, we are we come here with grateful hearts, humbled to be your sons and your daughters. Lord, we thank you for this time. We can't wait for what you're about to do. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we are continuing our sermon series, Letters from the Roman Jail. And we were uh, in the book of Ephesians before. Now we are in the book of Philippians. We are in chapter 3 today. We're going to be looking at verse 12 all the way to verse 21. And so let me start off by asking this question to us. Have you ever gotten around an old friend, maybe an old teammate, before and you start to talk about stories from back in the days? You know, you start to talk about stories about the glory days of the past. Um, You ever run into an old teammate and had that reliving the glory days moment 
Sometimes it's an old teammate. For me, it was an old teammate or maybe an old bandmate uh, that I used to do music with. Um, and sometimes I run, run into these people in my past. And it is really, really fun to kind of rehash the reactions that we used to have and talk about our shared experiences in the past. Um, and so, you know, the, typically the interactions go something like this. Finn, you remember back in the days we were at Florida State University doing that concert and like the crowd was just so lively. They were just so amped by every single word that we were saying and they were just doing everything. The energy that we felt, how awesome was that? That was such an awesome time. Or maybe in my basketball days, not that I'm good or anything, but just in my basketball days playing, you know, hey, Finn, do you remember back in the PYFA basketball tournament, we were down by six and there was one minute left and, and you stole the ball and you passed it to Tom and he scored that three-pointer and we came back and we won that game. Do you remember that six foot seven guy from Philly? Like, man, he was so good, but he was so soft though. And then, you know, your brother totally schooled him that day. Finn, you remember that basketball tournament, the PC NAC basketball tournament in Rochester when uh, Johnson almost dunked the ball on that kid? Like, that was such a nasty move that he did. Do you remember that? That was, and the crowd was just so amped up. And then in that moment, you just go to like the 18-year-old version, 18 version of yourself for just a long time. And then, you know, like the story of like, you know, you were that big fish of, of the big fish that you caught was like this big. And now all of a sudden it's like this big. And then we kind of were good. But now all of a sudden we're just really, really, really good. It's like the older we get, everything gets a little bit better. And then I start to realize, like, you, you start to realize that you've been at Costco having this conversation for like 10 minutes and not even had an, an adult interaction with this individual, right? Like, questions like, how are you actually doing right now? Right? Like, what have you done with your life lately? And in that moment, something kind of awkward happens. It's like there's this different tone that enters into the conversation where it used to be all this vitality and life and excitement about the, about the glory days. And now it's like, um, yeah, man, you know, I got a couple of kids now. You know, I'm, I'm still working at that store, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just grinding. You know, you know what I mean? I'm just doing me. You know, it's just, I, I still get together once in a while with the guys we play at, at the Y or, you know, at PAL nowadays, but, you know. And then you kind of respond, you're like, okay, cool, yeah, fine, that's, that's cool, that's good. And you, and, you know, you kind of smile, right? You kind of smile when he says something like that. And I don't know if you had that interaction with like a high school friend of yours, somebody who was an all-star back in the day, somebody who was just really popular back in the days. And now all of a sudden, it's just kind of sad. It's kind of small that so much of their identity and their value is all wrapped up in what used to be back in the days. What was present back then but you talk about, well, what's present right now? And there's not a whole lot of life and passion anymore. No goals, no excitement right now. And it's kind of like 
their perspective is still back over there, right? And they can't quite live in the presence right now. And I think when you actually evaluate that narrative, it's very easy to assess why it's kind of sad, why it's kind of small, why it is kind of unhealthy. And there's something that does not seem right about that, right? That somebody who used to be alive back in the days, but now they just feel like they are just drifting through life. And I want to say, guys, as Christians, that is entirely possible for us as well. That is entirely possible to be our narrative as well. For us to talk about the glory days of how God, you know, used to seem like there, he was doing something great back in the days. He was on the move when God was really real to us back then. But now in the presence for God not to be so real to us in this moment. And it is entirely possible for that narrative to be playing itself out into our narrative today. And maybe here's possibly how that narrative may sound like for you. you know, maybe this is your story. Man, you know, like I remember back in the days when I was a kid uh, at, at the kids camp, at that Vacation Bible School, a.k.a. VBS, at that youth retreat, I felt God who would always meet me every time I would go there. Or I remember back in college when, when there was that upperclassman that pulled me to the side and started discipling me, and they didn't run away when I started sharing to them about the messy things in my life, and God was just healing me. God was just doing some things in my life in such a unique way. Man, I remember during this time in my life when I just repented of my sin and Jesus just gave me the victory in my life that I never thought that I would ever get. Man, I remember there was this time in my life when I just actually got up early in the morning and I got away from the chaos in my life and I spent time in God's word. And I'm telling you, it was such a crazy season and it felt like Jesus was speaking to me so personally back then. And so let me ask us here and those watching online as well, how are you doing today with your relationship with God? Well, I still go to church, you know. I'm still doing some things. I'm still part of that group. Sometimes we hang out. It's all good. But as far as that vibrancy and that intimacy with Christ, it feels like the, the faith that I had is just fully back there. But now it's just kind of settled into some version of Christianity that is just kind of safe, and it is kind of sterile. And what I love about the Apostle Paul here is that Paul is going to speak to us today in Philippians chapter 3, and he is going to say, God wants more from you. God wants more from you. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, God wants more from you? God wants more from you, and God wants to meet you 
in the present. He wants to meet you in the present. And so this morning, I'm excited this morning to open up the word of God and to look at Philippians chapter 3. And because I want us to see as a church how Paul, who has been a Christian at this particular point for, for 30 years, okay, for 30 years, he's been a Christian and he is not living in the glory days of the past. That's not Paul. He is still passionately pursuing Jesus in the presence. And Edge City Church, I want that for all of us as well. And I think it would be so wise for us to learn from this remarkable man. And so basically, I have one point today, and I'm going to talk about what it means to kind of move or to uh, strain forward in the faith to continue to uh, be peddled down. Let's pursue King Jesus right here in the present. And so with that one point, I also have four subpoints. okay? So I've got four subpoints here. And so let me explain what's going on in the context here in our verses in chapter three, uh, right before we get into our uh, present text. So earlier on in this particular chapter, in verse seven, uh, Paul says this. He says, Uh, chapter 3, verse 7, he says, whatever gain I have, I count as a loss for the sake of Christ Jesus. Everything is rubbish in order that I might gain Jesus Christ. And then later on in verse 10 and 11, what he does is he starts to talk about his desire to experience Jesus in the here and the now. And he says that, Hey, I want that resurrection power in me. I want to experience Jesus right here, right now. Now, Whatever it means for that, right? Even if I have to suffer myself, let me suffer so that I can be familiar with and experience Jesus Christ because Jesus has suffered. And so in my suffering, if that's what I got to use so that I can experience Christ Jesus in just greater ways, then pour on me some more suffering. Pour on me some more suffering. Now, I look at these verses, and then I look at my own prayer life, and I go, really? Like, like that doesn't really match up for me. You know what I mean? Like, has that been your prayer this week? Like, has your prayer been, Jesus, give me more suffering so that I can know you in greater detail? Like, pour that on me, Jesus. Anybody? Like, I mean, for me, when, when, when life gets really full and when life gets just really crazy, I don't say, Jesus, pour on me some more suffering. I say, Jesus, lead me to a Starbucks, okay? Because would you please lead me there because I need some caffeine in my system. And so it's just easy to look at Paul here and see the way that Paul hungered for Jesus and to be like, dude, you are on a whole other level. Like, you're on another level, man. And so Paul was aware of this dynamic here, right? And we read these in the previous verses in chapter 3, and, and he says, and it's like, man, Paul, like, you know what, Paul, you, 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 you arrived. Like, that's what it feels like when you read this, right? 
And so that's what Paul's going to do. He, Paul is mindful that the Philippians here might make that mistake and we might make that mistake as well. And so what he's going to do, he's going to start our verses. He is not going to be boasting about his own strengths, but he is going to be confessing that he is imperfect. He is going to be confessing that he is a work in progress. He is going to be confessing that he still needs the grace of Jesus Christ in his life. And so my first sub point is this that I want to talk about is how we move forward in our relationship with Jesus is even in our imperfect condition, even in our imperfect condition. And so here's what that means. So for all of us, we need to understand that we are all a work in progress, right? Like you blew it, I blew it, we all blew it. And if you think that you are perfect, just raise your hands and then like your spouse will remind you like how, how many, uh, the issues that you have in your life, right? Or your roommate might remind you or your sibling might remind you that. And so all of us, like we are all in this common place that we are all imperfect and we got stuff that we are going through. And what I appreciate about the Apostle Paul is that he is going to see his imperfections and he is going to continue to press on. And he's going to continue to press on and to make more of Jesus Christ. And so let me read verse 12 for us and let me explain that, how it worked out in in our text here today. And so this is what it reads, verse 12. It says, Not that I already attained this, which is perfection, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul, in this moment, is just being refreshingly honest, right, about his current spiritual condition. And he says, I, I am not already perfect, right? Faith life, I'm still struggling here. Like, faith life, I still got some stuff that I am dealing with. And this is typical Paul. Because in other places of the Bible, we see Paul saying that I am the chief of sinners. He says that I am the worst that is out there. That I have stuff that I am dealing with. In fact, Paul even says, I do the very things that I don't want to do, and what I want to do, I don't do, right? Like, have you ever had that dynamic in your life, right? That is what the Apostle Paul is confessing here. And so it's interesting, and in some ways, it's comforting for me, right? Because, like, I'm a pastor, (laughs) Like, I'm like a professional Christian, right? Like, it feels like I am so pro-Jesus that I do this for a living, right? Like, I guide people toward Jesus. I say things on stage about Jesus. And it is so weird for me because I have been following Jesus Christ for a couple of decades now. And I have this weird feeling, right? Like, I should be further along in my Christian walk than what I really am right now for some reason, right? Like I get, I go to some amazing spaces and leaders will invite me to come and sit with them. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm thinking in my mind, like, I don't belong here, 
right? Like, I have not arrived because I am still struggling, right? I seek, uh, I struggle with seeking the approval of people and the affirmations of people sometimes more than God. I struggle with sometimes just trusting in the strategies more than trusting in the Holy Spirit, right? So I have struggles in my life. And what I love about the Apostle Paul is that the Apostle Paul models for us that there is a good and a God-honoring way to struggle. Listen, we all struggle. All of us, we struggle, right? Paul struggled, and he, he knew his imperfections. But we can know our imperfections, and two things can happen. Two things can happen. First, you, you can struggle in a way that says, I am still imper- imperfect spiritually, and I'm still, I still got all this messiness in my life, these comparisons, these insecurities, these inadequacies. And you can look at your mess and you can say, you know what? I am not going to let Jesus into this mess because I am so ashamed of my sins. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide from God. Okay, I'm going to, I'll play this church thing, but I am not going to let Jesus into this messiness in my life. All right, so that's option one that we can do. Or you can be like the Apostle Paul who says, I'm imperfect, but I'm pressing on. I'm imperfect, but I'm moving forward. I am still messy, but I am going to get up and I'm going to run after Jesus Christ because I know that Jesus Christ can give me the power to experience the victory in my life. I know that Jesus is the one who will forgive me even in the areas of my life that I know that is broken. I know that Jesus is the one that will accept accept me even though I feel so dirty and I feel so messy because Jesus is the one with the power. And he is saying, I know I'm going to struggle, but that's not going to paralyze me spiritually because I'm going to get right back up and I'm going to run this race. Amen? And I think that is a better posture of the Christian life than trying to pretend that we're awesome, right? And then walk in a way that we have just outgrown, outgrown grace. No, like let's just be really honest with ourselves about our spiritual current condition because we are all imperfect. We all have stuff in our lives. And so, I don't know what your current situation is, but I think this is a really healthy thing that Paul is modeling for us today. And he's saying, I am imperfect, but I am pressing on. And so may that be the posture of our church as well. Now, point number two, the next thing that he's going to show us is he's going to talk to us about the heart motivation for pursuing Jesus Christ the heart motivation in pursuing Jesus Christ. And the reason why this is just so important is because you can look at two different people and they could be doing very similar things spiritually, right? Like these two different people, they can go to church every Sunday, 
They both are part of a community group. Uh, they both listen to K-Love because they love to say, I love, I love Jesus in my car, okay? And so it's all good, right? And they, you know, wake up early in the morning and they love to read their Bible. They both pray regularly every day. They journal, they do devotions, and they do all of these really good things. And it's very possible to be motivated to be doing all of these things and have two totally different heart postures. One of them could be doing it to earn something from God, right? Feeling like if I do the right thing, then God will finally count me worthy. If I do that, then God will finally be happy with me. I'll be worthy of his love. I'll, be, I'll finally be good enough. I will finally have a righteousness of my own and just try to build up my spiritual resume. The other person, on the other hand, could just simply be doing it out of a heart posture for the grace that God has given to that person. And that is the posture of the Apostle Paul. He is looking at what Jesus has done in his life, and he is saying, how could I not help but to pursue Jesus? Let me show us how that plays out in verse 12. I'm going to reread that again. It says this, not that I already obtained this or am already perfect, check this out, but I press on to make it my own. In other words, I press on to make Christ my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Can you do me a favor? Can you say, made me his own? Paul's motivation for seeking Jesus in his response is to the reality that Jesus first sought after him and first saved him. Paul's narrative is that at one time I was running away from God and God didn't let him away. God, in fact, was running after him and he rescued Paul. And so let me remind us of Paul's story here. Remember, Paul was in this evil and a dark place in his life. He was in Jerusalem and he was persecuting and capturing and just hunting down and killing Christians and I mean, that is a pretty horrible place to be right there, right? And he basically did that in Jerusalem as a Pharisee. And then, and then he says, I'm going to expand this persecution all the way to Damascus. And so he starts traveling all the way down that road. And then in that moment, Jesus shows up and then he speaks to Paul and he humbles Paul. And it is in that very moment that Paul moves from a guy who hated Jesus to a man who follows Jesus and to a man who fell in love with Jesus. And that is Paul's story. Paul's narrative is a man who was just so far away from God and yet he was rescued by the grace and the love of God. Paul was in a very dark place and Jesus came in and he ransomed Paul. And so for Paul, when he says that I'm going to just press toward Jesus Christ, this isn't Paul trying to earn his salvation. This is Paul working out his salvation. 
Paul cannot help but to run toward the guy that saved him, who forgave him, who actually was sustaining him in the ministry for 30 years. And he has to get around this God. And so I want to focus on this one verse for a moment. And if you like to highlight your Bible, feel free to highlight this verse right here. You can do that on your phone. Um, It is at the very end of verse 12 where it says, Christ Jesus made me his own. Christ Jesus made me his own. Now, when I was reading that this week, preparing for this, like, I just had to pause right there in my reading, and I just had to worship God in that moment. Like, Edge City, like, is, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is our testimony right here, right? That Jesus Christ made me his own. Your story and your relationship with Jesus doesn't start because you started, you wanted to go to church or you wanted to stop doing the bad things that you were doing or you wanted to go and start to clean up your life. Your walk with Jesus started when God looked at you and said, you're messy, but you're mine. You're broken, but you're mine. You've got fears and insecurities, but I am going to make you mine. And God came after us not because we were awesome or cool or or spiritual or because we had some special talents or some special gifts. No, he came after Paul when Paul was at his worst and he said, I'm going to make you mine. That's the one way seeking unconditional, unearned love of God. Amen. How awesome is that? How incredible is that, that he has made us his? So that's your story. That's my story. That is Paul's story. And so we don't just say, hey, Jesus, thank you for the grace right there. You know, thank you for that, Jesus. We can't wait to see you in heaven. So for the next 50 to 60 years, I'm going to do life on my own. Thank you very much. No, right? Like we say, if this is the heart of God that says that I'm going to make you mine, you cannot help but want to be around that God. Amen. There's the posture that says, I am not going to find that anywhere else. I got to get around that God. I know there's this passage in the New Testament where Jesus is with his disciples, right? And um, after the people left Jesus, he said to his disciples, are you guys going to leave me? And the disciples responded and said, where else are we going to go, right? Like, where else are we going to go? Where else are we going to find this unconditional love like that? And that is Paul's posture right there. He is saying, I am running after God because Christ Jesus made me his own. He is the one that started it. He started it. And so church, if you're wondering, why do we run after Christ We run after Christ because he ran after us. We love him because he first loved us. And the next thing that I want to kind of hit us with is this. The next thing is our present perspective. 
our present perspective. One of the things here uh, that this text does, it, it doesn't just talk about, you know, what Christ has done for us, but it actually challenges us to live in light of the reality of what Jesus has done. And so I want to talk a little bit about our present perspective, our present perspective. And what I want us to see about Paul's perspective is that Paul is not stuck in the past, in the glory days of the past, but instead he's got to focus in what God is trying to do in the present. And here's what I'm learning about my relationship with God. This is what I'm learning. Like for me, there is literally no room for me to coast in my walk with Jesus. Like following Jesus cannot be a, a passive posture. It has to be an active pursuit. Because at any point in my life, I am either cultivating a love and affirmation uh, for Jesus, or I am just drifting towards a life that is going to be separated from the power and the presence of Jesus. It is very possible for Jesus to become like the old friend that we used to have. You guys remember the old friend that we used to have, right? Like that old friend, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the old friend that we used to hang out with all the time. The old friend that, you know, we just did so many great things with back in the days. The old friend that we used to stay late at night talking to. The old friend that we miss. The, the old friend that we don't pick up the phone and talk to anymore because we are just so busy just doing us, right? Jesus can become like that old friend. And what Paul is going to say is he's going to say, don't live in the past reality. Jesus wants to meet you in the presence. He wants to meet you right here where you are. And so let me build this out for us in verse 13 and 14. This is what it says. It says, brothers, I do not consider that I made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I pass on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the word he's using here um, are, he's saying, I'm going to strain forward in verse 13. Um, in verse 14, I press on toward the goal of the prize. That's what he says. And so the language that he uses is actually that is borrowed of um, an athletic setting. And so the picture that he's uh, setting for us here is like that of a runner. And so uh, I don't know if you guys know, but we have a lot of runners in our church, and we are just so excited uh, for what's going to be taking place on April 2nd uh, at, uh, for, as we are coming together and running in this, um, in, in this fundraiser for Be to the World. For those of you who don't know, Be to the World is a global organization bringing restoration through education. And so how many of you are already signed up for that? Any, any hands? I believe it's 
And please, we want to encourage others to sign up. We, I think we have about 40 uh, names that signed up, and we just can't wait for what um, God is going to be doing through that organization. You can check out our website, and then you can sign up for that, right? Because uh, I'm trying to... I'm, tr- I'm trying to run this race uh, on that day and finish the goal. And Paul is here, and he's showing us his example of a running picture. And so the picture of Paul here, he is painting for the church, is that like of a person who is running, right? And he's not looking at the ground that he covered already, but in fact, he is looking forward at the ground that is ahead. And that is the picture that Paul is showing us, that he might be exhausted, he might be tired, that he might be just cramping up right now, but he is going to refuse to tap out because he is moving forward. He is straining forward. He is pressing forward. And I love the terms here because that word straining, that doesn't sound pretty good, right? That doesn't sound too well. Like straining sounds like a posture when you're disciplined. Like straining sounds like a posture, like you have a goal in mind and you are going places and you have to strain. And so I I heard someone really smart say this. They said, if you want to get big, you got to pick up something heavy. If you want to get big, you got to pick up something heavy. Ain't that the truth, right? I mean, if you can't go and buy some weights. If you're going to go and have a gym membership, but you're not going to go to the gym and you think that you're going to get buff, like, no, that's not going to happen. You actually got to strain. You got to strain. And I see that reality in the Apostle Paul here. He's saying, I got a pursuit. I got a goal ahead of me. I want to run this race. I want to experience Christ. I want to grow in my godliness. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to strain and I'm going to discipline my body in that way. You know, I, I, gotta, I love talking to like the older folks in our church, the people who just had years and years of experience in their faith walk. And when I talk with them, what I found out is that you don't just, you don't just drift into godliness. You don't just somehow coast into spiritual maturity. You don't just age out of patterns of sin and addictions. You got to take some straining. You got to strain. And it takes some spiritual disciplines to do that. And so let me ask us a question today. And the question is this, is that have you ever, anyone here ever talked to a person, they pray and it feels like they have a strong relationship with Jesus. Like they, it just feels when you're talking to them, like they have this deep intimacy with God. And you get around people like that and, and you, you, just, you just ask, hey, did you read a book on prayer or something? Like, how did you get there? Like, how did that happen? And you talk to them and they'll tell you like, you know, it, it didn't start off that way. I had to strain. I had to keep moving. And here you are, you're just like, I want to get there, but, you know, I want to pray like how you pray. And my prayer is when I pray is like, you know what? Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you. The, the sun came up, Lord. Thank you. And then you kind of beat yourself up. You're like, is that the only, the deepest depth that I have in my prayers, Right. 
And they'll encourage you and say, no, listen, when I started that, it was awkward when I first started doing that, but I kept pressing on. I kept straining and, and I kept praying and it was, God was more and more real to me. And there was no, no shortcuts in this, right? No shortcuts. And I think Paul is here showing us that in his life, he's experienced Jesus for 30 years now. And he is still saying, I'm going to strain towards what is ahead. I'm going to move forward in my faith. And so how does that sound for us today, to strain towards Jesus in our faith? How does that sound for you? Maybe it's setting, carving out time to read your Bible regularly. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it is spending time with God. Maybe it is just putting on worship music in the house or in your car. Like whatever that looks for you. And it's different for us, right? But what I'm saying is let's move forward in our faith. And maybe somebody is saying here, well, you know, Finn, like, man, I get you, but that sounds like a legalistic posture that you're talking about up there. Like, you're asking me to be this impressive Christian, right? Like, go read your Bible. You know, I, I want to be better. I want to, you want to impress God, right? No, no, I want to experience Jesus, guys, right? That's what I want to do. So if I have to discipline myself to do it, I'll do it. Right? If I got to set my alarm, I'll do it. Right? If I got to get up earlier, I will do it because it is absolutely worth it right? to not just coast through Christianity pretending to be experiencing Jesus, living in the glory days of our past. I want it right here and I want it right now. Amen? And I want to say, church, it is a good and God-honoring thing for, for you to wake up and spend time with Jesus. It, it is a good and God-honoring thing to actually memorize scripture verses so that you can have the mind of Christ. It is a good and God-honoring thing to join a community group and experience the family of God and not just let this be a Sunday thing. It is a good and God-honoring thing for us to be straining to move forward in our faith. The gospel is free. I love how this one pastor said it. He said, the gospel is free. It frees us from all merit, but it doesn't free us from some muscle. And the apostle Paul is here and he talks about a farmer that wakes up and disciplines his life, right? Like an athlete who trains his body like a soldier who is, fights with passion and disciplines his whole life because he knows that he is in a battle. And as I even say that, I just think about what's happening in Ukraine right now and just seeing these images of this reality of this world where we're seeing this war taking place and we actually get to see what is happening and seeing the people of Ukraine and the perseverance of these people, the resiliency of these people and these soldiers and the, the courage that they have to fight this battle with passion. And Paul is saying that is the posture of a Christian as well, like a farmer, like an athlete, like a soldier. Right? And have that perspective right here in the presence. 
And the last thing that I want to talk about today, I want to talk about the last thing is this. It is our heavenly identity, our heavenly identity. So what Paul ends here, this is how Paul ends it. He says, well, this is my posture, right? This is what I am calling you to do. Let's press on. Let's hold fast. Let us not retreat. Let us not surrender. Let us move forward in our pursuit with Jesus Christ. And he ends it with this beautiful promise of the scripture. And he says, because I just talked to you over and over again about what you have to do. But let me remind you, though, before I do that, let me remind you of who you are, of who you are. Paul is going to link our spiritual doing to our spiritual being. He is going to link our activity to our spiritual identity. So let me explain from our verses here. This is how he does it. Uh, Verse 18 to 20. This is what it says. He says, For many of whom I often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ, Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Paul says here, right? Paul's like, listen, there are some people with tears in their eyes that do not know Christ Jesus, and they don't live accordingly to the ways of Jesus Christ, right? But their God, their God is themselves. It is their bellies. It is their physical appetite. It is things that are seen, things that are just tasted, things that are touched. And their minds are on earthly things, and it is not on heavenly things. So their reality and their value system just looks completely different. And from them, for them, their identity is going to be caught up with whatever this world is going to offer them. Caught up in those things. But for us, though, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, like I want to actually invite you to, to live as a Christian, he's saying, because you are a Christian. You are a citizen of heaven. Do you know what the Bible does? It does tell us to do some things, but it also speaks to who we are. It says, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a child of God. You are a son and a daughter of the king. You are somebody who is hidden in Christ Jesus So this isn't primarily about what you do. This is primarily about who you are. And isn't that good news? Because he speaks to who we are. And I want to say this. This absolutely matters. Because it's going to be so hard for us to move forward in our faith, in our walk with Jesus, if our identity is caught up in the worldly things. And let, let, let me see how this kind of plays out here, okay? In junior high, you guys remember junior high, right? Back in junior high. Everybody in junior high, you remember, is trying to figure out, where do I fit in? 
That's what they're doing. Like this is, there's this massive identity crisis that happens around the age of 13 or so, right? Like you got hormones, you got acne, you got uh, braces, you got like bad, you, you got, get these bad haircuts. And then all of a sudden it's like, where do I belong? Right? And it's like this horrible time to be alive. Okay. All you guys in middle school, I'm sorry. It's a bad time, but it, trust me, it is going to get better. Okay. Just get through this time. And I remember being in junior high, you got to make all these decisions. So many decisions you got to make at that age, right? Like you got to, you have the artistic kid who's in drama, who likes to play the instruments. You got the smart kid who has, you know, the big calculator, who has a bunch of books that they're carrying, right? You you, got to make the honor roll. You have to make the honor roll. Or you got the jock, right? You, you, you got all this Nike gear, just letting everybody know that you're going to be a baller someday. And then these kids, they go into the lunchroom. When you go into the lunchroom, what happens? Everybody kind of hangs out with their little sects, right? Their little groups there, their, their little posse, right? You got the, these kids in the side that is playing hacky sack in the corner. And you're just like, what are you doing? Like, that's not even a sport, guys. Like, what's going on there? All these different groups that are there in the side. You got the smart kids and the athletic kids and the artistic kids and all these little groups over there. But you see, this game doesn't end there. We play this game today, right? And maybe you're like, no, no, not me, Pastor Finn. Like, I grew out of that, okay? Don't say I play that game. We did that back in junior high. We're so past that now. We have evolved, right? We moved on. You you know how we play the game now, though? How we play the game now is, where do you live, you live in the city, do you live in the count, do you live in the county, which part of the city, which part of the county? Or you live in the city, may, you know, may you, you drink you drink real coffee, right? Not Starbucks, like that you go to the local coffee shop there. Uh, or you live in the you live in the suburbs. Oh, okay, so I guess you like a, a big yard, perhaps, right? Probably wasteful, right? Or uh, or you're hungry? If you're hungry, like what do you want to eat? Or oh, well, I'm a salad guy. Or no, I'm a McDonald's guy, right? Like, you're a foodie? Oh, you don't care about the chemicals that they put in your food? Like, really, like, we, we play, and I know some of the guys are kind of laughing at me because I've kind of been eating salad when we all go out. And, you, and, I, and like, I've become, like, this, an outcast now because, it's like, everyone's eating, like, real food. And I'm, like, you know, after New Year, like my New Year's resolution has continued on for a month. And so, you know, even with these, we have these groups that we're a part of, right? And we still play that game. Like, where do you live? You know, how do you dress? You know, uh, how much do you make? Where do you work? And all of a sudden, it's not about the jocks and the nerds and the artistic kids, right? It's about all this other stuff that is here today. And you know what the world wants to do? The world, you are going to be defined by something externally, right? The world wants to define us by your job, your relationship status, your zip code, how much you make, how many kids you have. Oh, your kids got a scholarship. Oh, they got into that college. Wow, that makes me a somebody then, right? 
we all want to be defined by these external realities. And what Jesus is saying, followers of Jesus, don't play that game. Don't do it. That game, it ends in destruction. Because you are not going to be a CEO in a thousand years. You are not going to be the person with a big house in a thousand years. You are going to be worshiping King Jesus and you are going to be bowing down, bowing down in his feet in a thousand years. So don't play that game today because you are a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven. And this means we got to re remember that. And so that means that, you know, you got to remember who you are and whose you are. And you can live properly in the present, in this day. And this is what matters. And so you think, well, you know, Pastor Finn, yeah, that's kind of cute. Okay, that's nice. I'm going to live differently. Okay, I'll leave here and I'll remember that, possibly. Um, let me tell you, you will never share your faith, never, ever, if your identity is being that cool kid. <laughs> because following Jesus and boasting about what Jesus has done in your life is going to cost you some social cred. If your identity is being that cool girl, you will never make much of Jesus. If your identity is being that successful person with a big house and lots of money in your account, you will never be generous with your money because your identity is going to be tied up to what you have in your bank accounts, not what Christ has given you already in, his, in the person and the work of Jesus. And so God is going to say, let it go, right? Let that go. And you're going to say, no, God, you know, I could never let that go because this is the thing that defines me. Followers of Jesus, no, right? It is not the thing that defines you because Jesus Christ is the thing that defines you. And so all we do is we just repent of that and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Yes, I am a citizen of heaven. And so Lord, help me today to live in light of who you made me to be. And Lord, help me today, Lord, to move forward in my faith. As I invite the worship team to come forward, as I invite you to close your eyes and to bow your head with me as well, as we reflect on just what we heard today. And um, I want to get personal for a moment. And I want to just ask you here today, in this season of your life, what would life look like if we actually obeyed these words? Forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead. For some of us here, 
in this room and, what, and hearing online as well. God gave you a passion, a passion to care about the poor, the refugee, the, to mentor the youth, to mentor a young married couple. God gave you dreams to, to care about foster kids, to adopt children, to pray hard for the nations, to be a giver. God gave you a heart. God gave you a passion. God gave you a call. He gave you this particular vision of ministry. And you have been just living in the glory days saying, remember when I actually did that back in those days? And today, you're just coasting. And you're doing nothing about that in this season. And I want to say, follower of Jesus, do you know that Jesus Christ is alive and he is here in the present? And he wants to write another chapter of your story. And I want to ask you, would you believe in him today? And would you let him do that work in and through you? Would you do that today? Some of you are here today and listening, and you have been flirting with sin. Right? Sin is no surprise to you. You know, that you know where you're weak, and you have been cultivating it. You have been playing in it. You have been tolerating it. And I want to say, what would it look like in this season of your life if you throw off all of that stuff? Stop tolerating the sin and start battling your sin only through the power of Jesus Christ. Saying, I want to fight. I want to experience victory. I know I may blow it. I know that I am imperfect. But I don't want to just lay down here and let the sin dominate me any longer. But I am going to move forward towards Christ Jesus. What would that look like for you? For some of you guys, you've heard from Jesus and you're here and you spend time in his word, you spend time in his presence. And for you, what would it look like for you to be in a place in the present and stop living off of the discipleship material that you got in the past and you start experiencing fresh discipleship from Jesus in this day. It is going to be costly, but I want to invite you, church, and say that it is absolutely worth it. So let's not coast anymore, but let's move forward. Let's strain forward in Christ Jesus with our faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the good news of this text to me is, Father, that you remind me of who I am, of who we are, that we are citizens of heaven, that we're children of the King, that we have been adopted, Lord. And so, God, thank you, Jesus, for those of us who are in this room and listening online, that you looked at us and you have said, I'm going to make you mine. You are mine. 
And so God, thank you for that grace that you've shown us and the reality of what Jesus saw in us when we were running away from you, Lord, running away in our rebellion, running away in religion. We were drifting and we were far from you, but you made us your own. And so Lord, we thank you so much for that. And we thank you for our time. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.